Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, guys, we got a great podcast coming shortly. Uh, first off, I don't think this is going to come as any surprise on what I'm about to say. Francesco Molinari's first week as a Callaway staffer led the field in strokes gain off the tee with his epic flash sub-zero driver. Oh, and he just had what he called the best putting round of his life with his Toulon Madison Stroke Lab putter. Uh, I've been using the uh, the O-Works putter I've got. I've got a Toulon one sitting over there. Been hesitant to use it, but uh, after seeing that, I might have to might have to at least, least try it out. I've been a little afraid to switch putters, but uh, it might be time. He's also gaming in Epic Flash Sub-Zero Fairway Wood, Apex MB Irons, Mac Daddy 4 Wedges. Uh, so again, just to follow up on what was said on the most recent episode, when he said the golf ball is the best one he's ever played, I think it's fair to say he meant it. Uh, remarkable achievement to win the first week after an equipment change. I think that speaks volumes for the uh, quality equipment that he's using. Uh, without any further delay, let's roll in Kevin Van Volkenberg to wrap up from Bay Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, the guys are not here tonight. They are off at a concert. So we uh, called in the reliever, called in the righty, made the motion to the bullpen. Uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg. It's been a little while. It's been since the Ryder Cup. Uh, I think the first question people, you know, people want answered is: We need Gary Player's take on the Europe, the Europeans taking over the leaderboard at the Arnold. Chris, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. First of all. An exciting win for Frankie Molinari. An exciting win for Callaway. You know they're going to be moving putters off the shelves right and left. And he beat a 17-year-old man, Matthew Fitzpatrick. And you've got to just be impressed. It, it doesn't, I'm not particularly uh, pleased with his fitness. He's got a little bit of a jelly tubby like, hanging over his belt. But an incredible ball striker. And I'm so happy for Frankie. Tubby belly. <laughs> They, they Francesco Molinari awoke European golf Twitter. I hadn't heard from them actually since the last time you had, you were on the podcast to talk about the Ryder Cup. I think this should be my role is to come on uh, every now and then and just uh, get Euro Twitter like ready to go again. They they kind of lie dormant, you know. They're just uh, enjoying their socialized medicine and and uh, you know quaint lives uh, while we wither away in the throes of late capitalism. And then now European tur- Twitter is back. I, I, I'm hoping that they're kind of playing a parody, but there were some questions of like, all right, so now are you guys really going to dominate the Ryder Cup for the next five years? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, no one turns the page on the next Ryder Cup faster than I did, and I like was stunned at some of the things I was reading today. But, no, yeah, obviously the whole landscape of golf has changed. This one week at the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational, without a doubt. Clearly. It's, it's it's a <laughs> they're going to put rough all like at the Sanderson Farms type share, I'm sure, as a result of this. And uh, it's, it's just you're going to see all kinds of firm and fast courses playing, you know, throughout the, the playoffs. That that'll, that won't make the players upset at all. It's today was it, it, the finish finish was not exciting, I think. Uh, but for the actual finish that we the finish was just way earlier than it was the end of the actual telecast. It was about two hours before uh, Rory and Fitzpatrick made their way around. But uh, so, yeah, it wasn't that exciting, but it was the Molinari's putt leading up into it. And I, uh, the broadcast team, it was almost like they knew what was going to happen. They spent so long before that putt. And I know he was already in the lead, but they really did set it up really well. He drains it. And then Paul Azinger says there's never been a bigger moment in his career. <laughs> Do you I was think like, guys, Azinger, do you think Azinger in that moment believed that that was true or that he just totally forgot that, like, this is the defending open champion? <laughs> I want to chalk it up to like getting caught up in the moment and maybe he's referring to like specific PGA Tour career. That's a big kind of leap to make, but I know he wasn't on the broadcast team now, but uh, your new network also broadcasted that event <laughs> less than like nine months ago, whatever it was. At least he wasn't so. like, this is the biggest moment in his FedEx Cup career. <laughs> He'll remember this FedEx Cup moment forever. <laughs> oh, I mean, that putt was sick. Final round 64 gained almost eight shots on the field Sunday. So I think, I mean, this is kind of an obvious question to ask. And, you know, uh, luckily the in the post-round interview, it was the second question that was asked. But how do you think this win affects him for next week for the Players' Championship? <laughs> Probably gives him some good confidence for the players. Uh, you know, it's a, 
I'm sure he won't skip it now, you know? Um, God, I don't know. I mean, it's... talk about the answer to the question that nobody is asking. Like, literally <laughs> nobody. <laughs> hey, we're also broadcasting this event next week, which we're really secretly, quietly trying to sell it as the fifth major after years of saying that we weren't doing that. Could you just segue quickly into that event and talk about how like important it is for that uh, for your focus next week? Well, we're going to do plenty of player stuff, but looking back at it now, I, it always kind of pisses me off when uh, the other network will when after somebody wins will say like, "Oh, this gets you in Augusta," and I never really noticed the difference of of how they <laughs> don't do that when it's on NBC. It pisses me off though. It's like no, like winning a, a PGA Tour event is a big ass deal to a lot of these guys. Yeah. Yes, going to Augusta is a big part of kind of the benefit of that but it's just so funny to me that they transitioned immediately to the players they don't even like you're not even allowed to mention the masters I, okay we're gonna we'll, we'll get to the player stuff uh, i don't i don't i really all joking aside i don't put any stock into the fact that there was a ton of euros at the top of the leaderboard actually meaning anything do you not really i mean okay you know rivy riv had like really good uh, rough too and it's not as if like the euros were like dominating that you know that was a bunch of americans and rory were sort of in the mix of that. I mean, I, I think you just get weeks where I, I think there might be something to say, like if you combine crisp, you know, greens that, mm-hmm. you know, and hard shots where you got it, you're hitting long irons and hard rough that that might suit, you know, uh, it, it might just sort of make the bombing gouging sort of harder to do. But I don't think that like one sort of event kind of really can, you can play that trend out that much further. I mean, like a bunch of dudes had a good week. Like, you know, it's, Keith Mitchell also had a really good week. He's not exactly like a stylist who like, you know, could sort of think his way around the European tour. He's a guy who just rips it off the tee every time. So I'm not sure those quite things quite hold up. Yeah, I mean, so we're we're not saying that Keith Mitchell is the best American player in the world right now. <laughs> Clearly Keith Mitchell should be the captain of the next Ryder Cup team because he, he he clearly could get it done in whatever course they're going to play in Rome, if they've even built it yet. Um, all right. We got the most, almost all the questions we got were basically about Rory. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to start Woo. talking about this. I've tried so hard to defend it. I feel like I'm bursting at the seams. Like I feel like I'm in an infomercial, you know, where they have that like flex seal stuff where they smack it on the water leaks and everything, <laughs> try to hold up all these leaks. And, uh, New I've defended Rory. all this. Play. <laughs> yeah. Rory's well, fixed he- now. You better believe it. <laughs> Well, he finished T6. Now, he's not even logging the top fives anymore. He's making it even harder for me to make he's, these he's arguments. He's in the wrong direction, Sully. He's not. <laughs> this is really disappointing. Well, here's – as I was kind of you know compiling a couple notes for this evening, I started thinking like, you know what used to be a quote-unquote knock on Rory was all the backdoor top five finishes he's had? Yeah. And now he's going the other way. Well, which which is worse? Which which way do people want it? You can't have it both ways. Like it can't like fading into a T six or a back during a T six are both just completely unacceptable results for Rory. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, that's fair to say. I actually have some stats here. I came prepared. Yes, thanks I love to, it. Uh, yeah, thanks to Ben Colley uh, of uh, of uh, one of those uh, gambling websites over there in Europe. I'm sorry that I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, but he so here is Rory in the final group. Since 2016, these are his Uh-oh. scores. Okay, 74, 69. He won that one in the Irish Open. Nice. 68, second finished second. 70 to lead. That was in the like the Dubai thing. 74 to Patrick Reed. 70 Molinari beat him. 73 to JT. JT won Firestone. 74 to Tiger when Tiger won the Tour Championship. 72 the Tour Championship. 67 that was against DJ, and now 72 against Molinari. So we're looking at kind of two years almost of data there Mm -hmm. can we extrapolate anything for the fact that he only shot in the 60s was it three out of 10 rounds there and won one time like Hmm. i feel like i i'm i'm always so torn because like it's he's really one of my favorite athletes like of all time he's just such a thoughtful insightful person but i think that we would be doing like the listeners or whatever or the readers that i have a disservice if we didn't sort of talk about the fact that like it seems like he needs an exorcism or something it seems like whatever he had in 14 and 15 where he could just throttle down and and take over tournaments is just missing and i don't know what it is and i don't know if it'll ever come back i do know that i'm kind of tired of like reading the story that's that's essentially been written even by me that's like Rory's got it figured out now. Yeah, Rory's you know this is he's in a great place mentally, and he's he's talked to Brad Faxon or he's talked to 
you know, Butch Hart or whomever, and he's got it. He's got it dialed in now. Like until you do it, I just don't really want to hear it anymore. You know what I think that could be working against Rory is that he's he's a bit too smart. And that I think when he was really young, especially going up until he turned 25, he'd won four majors by the time he, before he turned 26, he was a bit young and dumb. I mean, he was, a, he's yeah. not, not, he's a smart guy. He's always been a smart guy, but mm-hmm. didn't know his, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the fact that it couldn't go his way. Like he yeah. just, he was tricked himself mentally into thinking that this is, you know, the way it's going to be for me. And when I get in contention, I'm going to blow people away. And I think as he's matured, he just kind of has become more aware of all of the talent that is around him. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if that if that makes sense, but it kind of is like he, he doesn't seem to have that I can beat the world mentality anymore. It almost seems yeah. like his ceiling has lowered a bit. I'm not exactly sure how or why, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's still obviously incredible, incredible, incredible at golf. And I kind of wanted to I don't know, like a serious question: like, Would you feel better about his play going into uh, the players? Of course. Um, <laughs> would you feel better <laughs> if he had one win, but like let's sub out two of his top finishes for missed cuts? Mm-hmm. Like, would you feel better about about his season? I don't think so. Although it's interesting, he once said, "I remember because I was I was basically following him for like a year to do a big feature about him." He said, "I've just I know that my game is going to be like win three times, miss three cuts. Like I'd, I'd rather have that." than like finishing in the top five a lot. And I wonder like if you read that quote to him now, what he would think. Like I I wonder I mean you could flip it and look at it the other way and say if he had one win, it would sort of like give him the the shot of self confidence of like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still the effing man. Like I could still freaking do this. Who cares if I miss the cut, you know, at this this thing. But I've I, I know I can throw darts and make putts when I need to. And I just I remember when we were like kids, I would, you know, when we were kind of just kind of learning golf, you'd hear like, whether it was, you know, Venturi or, or Johnny Miller talking about like guys who had scars on it, like from like missing putts over the years. And like, you know, that those mental, that mental thing kind of built up over time. And what I think now is that like, we've seen like the whole entirety of Rory's career and we've seen those sort of scars start to form. And it's like, if you're, if the narrative is always like, you can't figure out putting, uh, and every time you stand over a four footer and you shove it on two inches right, you you can't help but like think. And I think this is exactly what's going on with Spieth right now. Like, God, shut up! I wish people would just stop talking about this. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of mental scars that like you know build up over time. And how do you, especially if you're a smart person, you're an intellectual, and you can't just kind of like go blank. Or go take it to black, I think is what Azinger sort of talks about. How do you not think about all of that other shit swirling around you and just, you know, putt and, and just trust that it's going to go in? I mean, I think people used to say, oh, well, when Spieth can't putt like he can, he's he's not going to be the same player. And I used to sort of say, you know, screw that. You're so stupid. Like, it's such a dumb take. And now I find myself a little bit like, boy, I don't know. Like, did did some of those scars start to build up to the point where – is always going to feel that way, and even even he is one of the best iron players in the whole world. Is that going to linger for a long time, or is he going to be able to find the thing that helps him kind of just make his mind go blank again? You know, I was thinking about this today, and I I don't want this to be taken too literally, but kind of what you're just saying is something that somebody like Francesco Molinari does not have to deal with. In that, and I don't again don't mean this literally, but no one cares how Francesco Molinari plays. Like when Correct. he plays great, like that's wonderful, and people celebrate. He's an incredible player. But if he plays poorly, like no, he doesn't have to answer questions about it. Mm-hmm. It's not a worry. Nobody's panicking. There's no expectations, you know, on him. There's no one he's got to deliver for. He totally. doesn't have to think about like what will people say about me if I don't close this out. And that's something that you know guys like Rory and Speed all have to deal with yep. at a totally different level. And I have no possible idea of understanding how that affects your game at the top level, but I would be, I think I would have to think that it, when it's not going great, when it's not going your absolute best, it has to be a detriment to you. Totally. I used to say that about Brooks Kepka. Like he doesn't know how good he has it, mm-hmm. like not having to answer interview questions after shooting a 71. And for whatever you feel about Tiger, like he, for the entirety of his career, essentially 99.3% of the time stood up there after every round and answered questions about every little like putt that wiggled left or right. Like he, 
he knew that like that was kind of his role and his part of the game. And like you've seen already, like in in Rory and Spieth's career, where they didn't love that fact. Like you know, Jordan shoots seventy four or seventy five at the U.S. Open, and he's furious and he doesn't want to talk to the press or whatever. Like that's just part of the burden, and that's why I was sort of joked about Kepka. Is like, you know, he when he was complaining about it, I was like, all right, every major that I'm at, I'm going to go up to him no matter what he shoots and ask him. What did you think about it today, whatever? Because if you're that good of a player, that's part of the burden of it, and you, then you realize how what a kind of like devil's bargain that is. It might give you a little bit more attention, but oh my god, every time it doesn't go great, like you still have to stand up and talk about it. That can be it, it's like a mental cycle of misery. And I, again, that kind of goes back to Tiger ruining things for us. Is Tiger has dealt with that for every round for 20 years mm-hmm. and obviously handled it better than maybe anybody in history. But that's like a superhuman level of dealing with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, as much as his longevity hasn't lasted on a major championship level, the fact that he has, been, you know, he's come back and won in his 40s and yeah. had this super long career with some obviously some big gaps in it with some injuries, it, it says a lot. I mean, Rory has not been able to, he never reached full Tiger, you know, expectations or, you know, that kind of play, which we weren't really counting on him to, but he hasn't even been able to maintain the top level that he's reached at. So, uh, again, Tiger ruined everything for us. I think that contributes so much to this sports talk radio culture of totally. this winning thing being so, so important. Um, and and, and uh, we got a couple of good questions about Jared Gouge asked if Rory's recent superb form encourages you going into the Masters or his inability to close these tournaments. Have you have you more concern for his chances to complete the career slam? I don't know. I don't I don't want to read too much into that. But I, yeah. again, I, I go back to like playing really well honestly for the for Rory's sake like winning a bunch leading into the Masters would be the opposite of what he wants I'm sure he's trying to win these tournaments but from he always talks about how he wants it quiet he wants it quiet going into the Masters if he wins two events beforehand it's not going to be quiet going into it no the expectations would be absurd you know what I was thinking actually is this is kind of a little media insider thing but you know so many of the guys at Augusta every year they have to do like the Tuesday press conference where they go in and they sort of get questions from everybody for, you know, a half an hour or whatever. And it's, you know, it's convenient for the press to sort of all have that and have a transcript of it. If I could fire Rory this year, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just, if you want to talk to me, you can meet me after my practice round under the big tree, like out by the Miranda, but I'm not doing any presser this year. Like there's, I've no, no obligation for it. I'm not a defending champion. Like there's no reason why I shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to say no to that. Just, I want to keep it sort of casual and keep it light this year. And so I'm happy to talk to you guys, but I'm not going to sit there and bear my soul and tell you like, yeah, I've, you know, you've, you've, someone pointed this out to me years ago. And, and if you look back at the transcripts, it's true. Every year that he comes to Augusta, he has some sort of like, you know, and, it's, and this is especially true in the last four years, but ever since he sort of blew it in 10 or whatever it was, 11, he has some sort of like new mentality of like, yeah, yeah you know, I've been like grinding over it so hard this year. Or yeah, you know, actually I've, I've not taken it that seriously this year. Oh yeah. Like, I've got a mental coach. Yeah, I've got a. I've been really sort of working on my putting. Yeah, I came here ten times with my dad. Yeah, I didn't visit the course at all. And it's like, dude, like you're already down the weird rabbit hole of this. Like you can't keep sort of just like trying a hundred different things. Just don't even talk about it anymore. Just yeah. I, I know as a person in the media that that seems like absurd for me to say, but for his sake, I think it'd be like, yeah, dude, it's like I'm just not going there. I don't care. If I'm, that's how I've always been, but now I'm not going to do it because it's not helping me. And it's not like he got you go into the Masters with like a fifty percent chance of winning. Tiger at his absolute best never went in with like an actual better than twenty five percent chance of winning it. I know the odds state differently because that's heavily influenced by how much people bet on you and whatnot. But like if you went straight by data. Like Rory's never showed up with a greater than ten percent chance of winning the Masters. So, like, imagine, uh, like, uh, I don't know what the what the comparison to that would be, but you can't change up your approach to it. And I know he probably feels like he hasn't played his best possible golf there. Which you know, if that means you have to change your approach to it, I support that. But just because you didn't win doesn't mean you have to change everything you you do about it. You may be able to take the same approach, same kind of repeatable approach. And learn and build off that and, and, you know, learn, you know, the state of your game. And uh, I mean, it's all variables because you can take the same approach one year and be and be totally lost coming in the next year following that same approach. But I, and that's where I think like two separate things. One, you kind of busted what I was getting ready to say by citing <laughs> all those bad scores in the final round that he's had. Yeah. But like he walked into today, like when he woke up today, he had a, a per day to golf. He had a 25% chance of winning the golf tournament today. Mm-hmm. 
And I think people like look at the final pairing and look at, he wasn't even in the lead going into it. But, you know, when you have that many people up there and it's only a one shot uh, exchange, people think that just the top player is going to run past people. But and, and again, that percentage factors in his ability, the field he's going up against, the golf court, all that stuff. Yeah. And it was 20, it was a one in four chance that he would win today. And I know he didn't play great. It's two. But I think that's two separate things. Like if he just shot 69 today, shot three under, he still wouldn't have even made a playoff. So, yeah. He just excites us. He he makes us think that like when he's when you look on the graphics and he's fifty yards past Matthew Fitzpatrick. I know. And Fitzpatrick occasionally is still hitting it inside of him. You're just like, why aren't you converting more of these things? And that's what's that's why people that's why like all this conversation is about Rory, not Molinari, not Fitzpatrick, not Rafa Barrero. It's just like it seems like he should be able to, he has the skills to convert more of these things. And that's why the potential for him was always so high. Like everyone just thought like, Oh my God, like how is this five, nine kid out here just ripping the ball, like in and making, hitting the kind of like towering shots that tiger could hit. Well, why can't he do the other part? And the truth is, is that tiger was a freaking superhuman. Yeah. And so like, yeah, like you Roy might be able to do some of the things that tiger could do. But that's not what made Tiger great. Like Tiger was great because he could, could, could convert all that kind of stuff. And so I think our expectations have always been a little bit out of whack. But you know, I, I think I would still Rory would still be amongst the five players or so that I would say was most likely to, most likely to win the Masters. The, the thing about I think we've even talked about this probably literally on this podcast before is he doesn't need to putt that great to win the Masters. Like. Everyone like putting is sort of neutralized there because it's mm-hmm. so freaking hard. And so, if he played fairly safe and well and hit to the middle of every one of those greens and birdied all the par fives and threw an eagle in there and, and you know limited its bogeys, he'd be right in it. And all you got to do to really be you know to win it is to be in it come Saturday afternoon and get hot at the right moment. And he's had some rounds where he's kind of gotten hot at the right moment. It's it's just he doesn't have to like figure out putting before the Masters. He just has to kind of get the combination of luck and not making dumb mistakes. Like a few years ago when he was like left in the trees at 11, was like, let me hit a hard hook around the corner here, see if I can bounce it off the mound into the middle of 11 green. That's probably not a particularly smart play. <laughs> I love it, though. Listen, I'm all in. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't resist in my own game, but like happy election, Rory. <laughs> I think an important distinction that that you just made there too is we were again we're not comparing Rory to Tiger, but the way that you know Rory coming after Tiger just screwed up our curve for what we expect in somebody. You know, like even if you're not going to be Tiger, we need you to be this. And it's right now, I would say it's. I think he would even agree he's fallen short of what he thinks his full potential is. So, um, also. Uh, per data golf he is number one on the data golf trend index which indicates uh, how many strokes better or worse a player has performed in relation to the field in their last 20 rounds so as much as you know as much as the results haven't totally followed um he has he is trending they would say uh keith buckout asked will one of you guys let ashley bongiovanni know if that rory is deceased because (laughs) the poor girl will be heartbroken and she deserves to know (laughs) That one was a a shining a shining moment in the, going through the Twitter replies today. So thank My, you yeah, uh, someday I feel like there should be like you know how Sports Illustrated does that um, poster where it's like they cut out a little piece of every college basketball player, every NCAA thing. There should be like a knowing up origins poster that has like you know <laughs> like Panther Mike and Giovanni <laughs> and uh, you know KVV doing the Gary Player impression. Oh man all part of the origin stories we still plan to do a podcast hopefully this week on just all the stupid dumb inside jokes that we have over the years just to, just to catch anyone up if you've ever if you ever lost is why we call yost Lauten uncle juiced like they, we're gonna explain all that so uh i forgot to mention at the top Matthew fitzpatrick gets zero fedex cut points for today since he's not a pga tour member so oh, that's sweet. pretty cool that's pretty cool um on the big cat on the note of the big cat um was him missing this week a big deal to you um I thought it was a little strange. Um, why would I don't know? Obviously, he kind of decided I want to play enough tournaments this year, or whatever, to get into the playoffs. I don't even know why that really matters, but I, I would think that someone at the PGA Tour is probably like begging him, like, please don't just play like ten tournaments this year. Like, please, you know, be here for the long haul. But you know, if his neck is really just kind of sore and he just feels like he can't 
do it. It was weird that I think he didn't talk to the press the last two days in Mexico and then kind of pulled out of this. It just it's a golf. It's the golf TV era. Yeah, that's that to me is tr- here. I, I'm going to switch. <laughs> I'm going to completely flip flop in one thing where I was saying Roy shouldn't reveal as much to himself and then complain that Tiger's only <laughs> talking to his like state sponsored media in house <laughs> media thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, we'll see how he looks uh, this week, I suppose. But I <clears throat> what I you know, what is him playing this week? What does he have to prove? Like to was exactly he really to rack up a ninth win here at Palmer? You know, is he? really feel like he needs to i mean the only it was maybe different when he was living in orlando it was like as i was uh talking to uh justine reed at one point on walking around the rounds and she was like i was like oh that putt is so hard on 18 and she was like yeah let's give him a tiger made it all the time because he lived like two blocks away <laughs> you could see the course all the time i was like oh he just yeah. goes out in the dark and reads that putt <laughs> It was, it was a pretty sweet comment. I just it was like, yeah, that bet Tiger totally sneaks out here late at night and just practices that putt, throwing the hat. And stuff. I actually heard from a very credible source that Tiger does not even like Bay Hill. Yeah, I know, that I know that sounds sense. absolutely insane, but he doesn't even like the golf course. Um, you know, I actually wrote down that like I've actually changed my mind since I wrote this down that I thought him missing this event was a big deal since he's won it like seventy five times and he skips the Honda because he wanted to play this one. And I look back at it and I'm like. Honestly, what does like winning this event or doing well in this event do for him? If he's feeling slightly less than healthy, he's assuming he's playing this week. He just wanted to be a little bit better shape for the players. He's going to, you know, put the clubs up or get back on the grind session and try to peak for Augusta. Like it really doesn't matter for him this event. I know he's won it and I know it used to be a hometown event for him, but I I really I've I've changed my mind on it. I don't think it was a big deal that he missed. So if there was no such thing as like the FedEx Cup playoffs and you just could play whatever you wanted and there was no like minimum tour requirement, I really wonder how often we would see Tiger play every year. I mean, the whole like, well, I got to get reps and tournament speed and all that stuff. But like, you know, to be honest, like you're if you're a player like Tiger and you're like exempt in like eighty different ways and you never have you could get a sponsors invite into literally anything you wanted <laughs> like what would make you really want to play like some of the regular sort of stuff you know like there's there's plenty of nfl players who basically like i'm sitting out the first four, four weeks of the season because that's not what matters hmm. and i it's a little bit surprises me that he isn't more like that and that's kind of probably segues a little bit into like phil saying like what is the point of me playing the players other than like the pressure internally from the tour to say like you need to play our biggest event like it's Phil saying, I don't want to like develop any dumb bad habits of like you know before I go to Augusta because that's what really matters to me. I won the players; it's not going to do anything for my legacy. Why would I want to do this like again and screw myself up in some way? It might if it gets shifted to a major, which we're going to get to here in a second. But... <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, what do we what do we kind of feel about where this event stands in the game? I don't know. In general, it's a conversation every year of like, you know, uh, do pl- do enough players show up to support this, to support Mr. Palmer? Um, it, it, has anything changed in the way you view it over the last few years? Not really. I think that it's um, still, you know, a, a sort of, I guess, a event held in high regard. I mean, I, I, all of that kind of like, what tier is this event and how important is this event? Like, all of that's kind of like a made up thing in our heads, right? I mean, yeah. does it really matter you know as long as the event still exists i mean uh, you know it's it's not a wgc it's not a major it's not you know a playoff event there are all these categories now that we're sort of shuffling this stuff into does it really matter like if if it's not seen as quite the having the sort of prestige that it once did i don't know i mean winning the winning it is a big deal the purse is a big deal and it's a hard course to win it's not like any sort of you know knucklehead can come out here and just sort of steal one so i think i think i'm okay with where it is i mean it, people still I, I do think a little bit that it's hard maybe for our generation of golf fans to really grasp just how important palmer was to like the building of the actual pga tour and like the sort of you know barnstorming of america that these guys did basically to kind of you know build up sponsors and why the reason why all these tournaments exist and why they're all you know, actually like nonprofits so that they can sort of funnel money in a different way. Like you can kind of tie a lot of that into Palmer and the kind of love of, of corporate America of him uh, and why the tour exists the way it does. And so I think it's important for if you're someone who makes a shit ton of money on the tour to understand that 
Arnold Palmer was a huge part of your ability to live a really good life. And I often wish in the covering the NFL that the NFL players had a greater appreciation for the guys who, you know, had to work construction in the off season so that they could, you know, still like make a living as football players. And they formed unions that were able to sort of get collective bargaining, be part of it. And, and that's, you know, you ought to maybe throw some money in for their healthcare in the long run. So it's the same kind of thing. Like if you value your standard of living now, you ought to pay some homage to the people who made it possible in the past. Yeah. How many, uh, two questions here, how many misters are there in the game of golf? <laughs> and how many also are, are currently playing in this generation, but haven't gotten old enough yet that they'll be called mister? Oh my gosh. Like is Tiger going to go by Mr. Woods in his later years? No, no way. Like, <laughs> can you even imagine like what, are people really going to show up to like, you know, are Roy's kids going to show up to Riv and be like, well, Mr. Woods here is really gracious host, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I really hope he can still break Jack's record. You know, he's 61, <laughs> but you never know. Mr. Mickelson, will, will Phil Mickelson ever be like a mister? I think it's I could just... see that. Uh, who was the first? We were talking about this today a little bit in the Kill House. Who was the first mister of golf? Was it, was it Mr. I, got, Jones? I think I think it's Bobby Jones. Okay. Yeah. No, nobody was like Mr. Old Tom Morris. I mean, there was a reason why there's a young and an old in front yeah. of their names. <laughs> but can can Euros be Misters? There seems like more of Sir. Sir, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do people go up to Faldo and are like Sir Nick? Oh Sir yeah, Nick? I'm pretty sure they do. Absolutely. Uh, except for unless you're the uh, the drunk guys that we saw in two th- at the 2006 memorial at, right at a putting green, just yelling, "Hey Faldo, hey Faldo, come over here!" The twist being, it was actually Nick Price that was putting. Nick <laughs> Price actually, <laughs> Price turned around, and was like, "Dude, I'm Nick Price. Like, I'm not Faldo." I was always taught in journalism that you shouldn't address like a coach as a coach. Like, you should just say their name. Like, so when I cover the Ravens, I used to just say, you know, "Hey John," to John Harbaugh, like, "Do you have a sec?" Because and you slip up sometimes because coach is just sort of a natural thing, but like it gives them sort of an elevated sense of power mm. in, that if you're trying to look at it from the perspective of like, hey, you have your job and I have mine, we're essentially equals, then you're seeding that power immediately by saying, hey, coach, you know, because he's not my coach or whatever. And so <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I golf has a sort of a weird, like you know, elevated like gentlemanliness to it, and so I certainly I don't think I would go, hey, Jack, you know, if I saw. Jack Nicholas. <laughs> so you're saying if, if Jack ever comes on this podcast, I could just greet him with a, yo, Jay Money, what's good? <laughs> I'll, uh, I, I, Chris, that's uh, nice to be here. I, I am. Uh, well, that's not uh, good. I, I laid up a lot during my career and I uh, really thought it paid off dividends. Arnie obviously did, did differently. So, uh, you know, so I have uh, the majors that I knew and he had the ones he handed. Could you do all all of the big three? That's two out of three of the of the big three that you oh, got. Oh God, I've never even thought about how to do Arnold Palmer. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not going to make you do that on the spot. Um, one last thing on Bay Hill, and it kind of transitions into the next topic I want to discuss. But I think they got a pretty raw deal out of the new schedule. All these kind of yeah. cr- uh, crammed events. In, in that regard, one this is kind of has that elevated status. It's got the three year exemption on tour instead of two. It's got the money. It's got the same kind of status as the Memorial does. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? kind of a dick move to be showing guys warming up and arriving at TPC during the Sunday of an actual golf tournament, an actual event. hundred percent. Like what, who cares? Like, I really, I got to see like, who was it that they were showing? It was something that was absurd. I think we were texting about this. Like who, uh, uh, like I care about, you know, somebody going through their warm up routine on the range at Sawgrass. I- uh, it's like, <laughs> Uh, I, I can't, it's so unbelievably forced. Like imagine, imagine caring about the players arriving at TPC. Like <laughs> I honestly wouldn't watch like footage of the, like them arriving to Augusta. Why the hell would I actually care about them arriving at TPC? And like, I, I know again, this, it, it sounds like a dumb thing to, to focus on or care about, but like people dedicated resources, time, money, all that goes into setting up video and like all the reasons that people say so much can't happen with a broadcast. Like think about this is what they're willing to do. They're willing to send, I know it's a home game, but like sending camera crews out there to TPC, you got to pay these people to do that and pay to run the equipment and like submit all these, you know, the transmissions for this for not, it's not even tournament week yet. What the hell is going on? Here they come, the, driving down the Vendre Vendre Boulevard, 
pulling in past the fountains. <laughs> There's the Chili's in Jacksonville on the on to the left. This, some of the players will have a meal throughout the week. What a majestic sight it is! Oh, like, how many times have you seen them pull down PGA Tour Boulevard, <laughs> just like Magnolia Lane? Uh, the, the, I know we're gonna like. I know it's fun to make fun of the players now. Like it sucks because it is like a really great tournament. I'm looking forward to going this week, and yeah. it. But like, and I'm glad it's back in March. But oh my god, I, just this this being jammed down your throat is again. It's so representative of everything we talk about and how the hardcore golf fan, which is most of the listeners of this podcast, are just so ostracized by absolutely everything and just need to be spoon fed everything and like. Again, we, we kind of touched on it, but like no mentions of the Masters at all on the telecast today, with which is without one single doubt a directive from the tour. Yeah. And you, like you might say, that doesn't matter, and it might actually not. But it's not how anyone in the real world talks, and that just right. means you're getting spoon fed. Like we all get excited about the Masters, no one truly gets excited for the players other than the tour. Yeah, like I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not truly excited about it. I just don't. I mean. I... <sighs> Maybe this is why people go to school for marketing and they figure out how to do this stuff. And maybe this is why, like, some of it still feels forced is because you can't learn this kind of shit in school. But, like, you can't make something, like, happen unless it happens organically. Right. Like, it, if it hasn't – if the players hasn't become, you know, what you most want it to be by now, it's probably not going to happen. It's just – you can't keep sort of pretending like, oh, you know, we're sort of uh, we're not really trying to make it a major while you're hiring an orchestra to <laughs> like have its own theme song and you're sneaking it into the graphics and be like and you have like guys on the golf channel being like, well, you know, this is just a really great lead into the five majors. You know, it's like there are not five majors. Oh, like, my if- God. It's what did what did yeah, what did you make of the of the theme song and the uh, the rollout? First of all, we can definitely declare that the uh, the old joke of oh oh my god is that so and so's music that's officially <laughs> dead because the player's Twitter account used that, <laughs> and that was one of my favorite go tos too. That's it's it's a few years old, but I I it officially has to go into retirement. I, well, eventually, you either you know you live long enough to, to be the hero, or you, see, or you live long enough to see your own jokes turned back at you by inferior comedians. I can't decide if it was brilliant because now I, they're gonna like they're clearly gonna jam this theme song down our throats. I mean, what other reason would you have for rolling it out and uh, and everything they've done for it? But now I do actually notice the theme song now when they, when they go. Well, first of all, it's like every twenty minutes for commercials uh, and today broadcast but yeah I, I can't wait to see how much they're gonna they, they might instead of like you know the announcers usually talking over player caddy combos they might play the theme song over some of the conversations <laughs> on the ground this week <laughs> i mean how much did that cost it had to, you know hiring all those like musicians had to cost a hundred thousand some dollars like you you're telling me that that yeah that was... i mean it, it's yeah it is but like that is a kind of a normal thing to do right i mean like every kind of major like sunday night football's got a theme like i'm sure a lot of money goes into that i actually don't have that much of a problem with it it's just the fact that it's like here here's here's what it is here instead of it just being like again it's very representative of the tournament instead of just letting it be what it is and sure. just playing the theme song for it it's like all right let's but again i also everything feel like is, it's working content but i think it's working content. because we're talking about it and now people yeah, are going to notice it so all right so what the hell is going on with all of this major stuff you touched on it just now I don't even want to give like credence to it because it's. I feel like it's like the almost in my lifetime like one of the oldest golf debates ever. It's like, is the players the next major? Right. How is this gaining steam? How is this like an act? Is this an actual thing? Are we are we seriously talking about this? I don't know. My feeling is like if if we do want to have a discussion about this, fine. But there's no like grandfathering in of old majors without it, one single doubt. If you say to like if if Monahan got on the uh, on the on the mic on Monday and it was like we've decided that this is a major it's the deepest field in golf and we will consider it a major going forth it's gets a ten year exemption on tour and blah, blah blah then like what would there be to stop him first of all like the majors is a made up thing anyway like, there's no like governing body that oversees <laughs> and says no no you're wrong so that would be such a power move by Monahan if he did it but like. Like, I, I don't know. Like, what? there's no, like, saying, well, then Ricky has a major now. Nope. No. Like, it starts now. Like, that's what you have to do in that sense. There's no, like, going back and saying, well, Jack now has three more and Tiger has two more. Like, 
nope. Like it starts now. Like at some point, the the U.S. Amateur was no longer a major, and so like we didn't take Bobby Jones's away. We just said like right. going forward, you don't get accounts for a major. This, but at the time, that was a major, so you get credit. Bobby Jones gets to keep the British Amateur and the U.S. Amateur as part of his major total. So that's where I, that's where I think this debate is a little bit silly. Like, does Craig Perks as a major? No, dummy. Craig Perks is not a fucking major. <laughs> What Sorry, about, Greg. What about Fred Funk? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fred could get half a major. <laughs> we did get a question from Brad Burling. He said, is there a statute of limitations? Like, can we go back a certain amount of years and give people majors for it? I think the burden on Brooks Kepka has never been heavier than it is this week. We will know whether or not it's a major <laughs> if he decides to try this week. <laughs> I- well, all he needs to do is get really pissed off about his tea time or whatever, and the, no one interviews him, and all of a sudden he's going to totally like show up on Sunday, win this major. If Angel Cabrera shows up and wins this thing, done deal. Jay, you can have your major. Like it is, it's all yours. All right, it is a, it is the fifth major. It could count for two majors for all I care. If that's the case, I still think I'd really like. It would be such a power move if if like Tiger was like. Well, I consider this a major, so I, I therefore I have fifteen. Because you know that it would ignite this huge debate of all these people would be like, well, I think Tiger's right. I think it does count as a major. The field is way deeper than Nicholas says. So Tiger has fifteen majors now. Like the major drought is over. And what would there be to stop him? Who would be like, no? You, there's no one to appeal to. The sports writers are the ones who made this shit up anyway. So like, I, if Tiger like, wants to call me up and be like, Kev, you support me. If I say the players are major, I'll be like, yeah, Tiger, that's yeah. good. <laughs> Give me a round at Blue Jack National. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who says the media has been compromised in this era? <laughs> um, a tiger is the one guy that I think could shift it, but like this is this is taking like embrace debate just too far. I feel like it's just debate for the sake of de- of debating it. And totally. I get that it's a really strong field and it's an event that players do take more seriously than a regular PGA Tour stop. But man, I, I just I don't mean to be a curmudgeon about it, but like I like my majors the way they are, and I get that that the majors have changed over history. And I'm not like the, the most versed in why they've changed, but correct me if I'm wrong. The reasonings for the seemingly reasons for why it changes is because of like true different eras in golf. Like post World War II is a different era in the game yeah. of golf, and like the PGA. And I don't, again, I don't know the full history, but in the PGA between going match play to stroke play and all that. But this doesn't feel like a new era of golf, like or, yeah. or a reason. Like we're at a, a stopping point of like, you know, oh, we have to make a fifth major or else the game is going to die. Like I don't know what that really does. I, I, so I agree, it's kind of arbitrary what what's a major and what's not. And but like I don't see a reason to change that. Yeah, I just like that for sixty years or whatever it's been since I mean, the Masters started in thirty five or thirty four or whatever. So like you know, I guess it's like seventy years that that you get four chances every year. And and that's it. And if you throw a fifth into that, like I think it sort of it waters it down a little bit to me. Like I want I want there to be four chances. There's four chances in tennis. There's four chances in golf. If you go blank in a year, then you got to wait the whole calendar year just to come back. And that's what makes the Masters so exciting and so fun is that we've been sitting around and waiting since the last major for eight months. And now like that's why the Masters is the hardest one to get in the sort of impregnable quadrilateral as they say uh that you have to think about it for the longest time you got two weeks between the u.s open and the british and no one cares about the pga but you have to think about the masters for eight freaking months if you don't win it yeah and that's why i want to that's why i want it to stay where it is that's a really good point and I, no one loves like a really strong flex more than augusta does like mm-hmm. could what could that could they flex on the tour and be like you're you're not doing that like what could they threaten them with or what, what? <laughs> like I'm just curious like how that would work but I think they would literally say well you know you're not doing this but how could they actually stop them it's kind of like the political primaries where like New Hampshire and Iowa basically say we're the first two primaries and yeah. if you think you're going to move a primary ahead of us no. you're dead wrong no like, we'll, it's we'll, not happen. we'll move it up a year if we have to. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Masters is now contested in January. What do you make of Phil's weird flex of going to the event before deciding if he's actually going to play it, going to the course today to see if he's actually going to play it? I think this is another example of Phil being kind of like bored with life and just <laughs> needing to create drama to keep himself interested. Like, you know, his, well, there'll probably be like some helicopter thing, you know, where he's got to fly from this to that. And, you know, can he... 
he has to, he's, he's got a corporate commitment on Tuesday. And so he has to fly a helicopter in and get it to his tea time or something like he just needs that little edge. It's like the gambler who's bored and he's like, all right, let's, you know, it's the guys and dolls thing. Let's bet on cockroaches uh, racing because there's horse racing isn't as fun anymore. <laughs> so that's the flip fill is like, ah, maybe I'll play. And then if he, if by some, like by hook or crook, if he wins, he's like, oh yeah, like I just, you know, I really wasn't sure I was going to play here. Wasn't really feeling it. And then all of a sudden things just click for me, you know, but now it's like, he, he's going to play and he probably won't do that well. Because it's just not a course that fits him really well, and he's if he wants to skip it, fine. Like I, you know, I'm sure the 126 player who's on the list would love to be in. There's like 80 reasons why the players isn't a major. One of them is the fact that Phil might skip it, um, although he did skip the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. But that's uh, so weird. Remember, like, didn't some guys skip the PGA too? Like, did Adam Scott skip the PGA? Like Lee um, Westwood skip the PGA? That's it's not like unheard of. To yeah. skip like the thing like but, this. But you know how you know it's really not a major is it was 95 degrees last year and he showed up in a long sleeve shirt just to flex his new sponsor <laughs> and he did not care about the golf tournament at all. <laughs> and you know how you also know also know it's not a major that we keep getting emails confirming players for this event. It's like okay uh, yeah. guys we 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 know oh and, I, and they ran a promo. Again, going back to them kind of screwing over Bay Hill, they ran a promo for the players with Tiger featured, like as the guy on the on the. And I mean, I know he's he's committed to the event and hasn't withdrawn, but like he didn't play this week because of an injury. Like he could withdraw, he could technically withdraw from the players. From everything we've heard, he is going to play, but like he's not even for sure a go. He skipped the Bay Hill tournament, and they're like promoting him for the next week. That just also made me. Uh, I have no ties to Bay Hill that would make me un- this unreasonably upset, but it, it somehow did. So. <laughs> He must have like winked, whispered to them behind the scenes or something. Like, it, I guess it would be a pretty like enormous gaffe if he was like, "Oh yeah, definitely not playing the players." And they were just like, "All right, promote Tiger anyway. We just we need this man." <laughs> I think the tour went full. Uh, what's that guy's name from the Firefest documentary? Andy, the uh, the guy that was willing to do. <laughs> I think they went to Tiger. It's like, what do we have to do to get you to play the players? Make this happen. <laughs> And I went in there fully prepared. Um, it, 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 so it, I know we're supposed to wait till after the players to start thinking about Augusta, which I actually think is kind of fair. And I try to wait as long as possible. But today was actually the first that I really started to think of it. I don't know what that doesn't mean anything in particular, but now it's like starting to get into that time frame where it's it's time to get your game figured out. And I know mm-hmm. Jordan Spieth wasn't playing this week, but he has had you know literally zero good finishes leading up into it. And I think this is this is the time frame when it's time to stop asking the question like should we be worried about somebody like if they're not playing well to this point then we should be yep. worried about them if they are playing well then that's obviously a good sign so but this is getting to that time period where it's time to start thinking about it so um got a few twitter questions for you okay brad bachman is asking what does gary player think of fitzpatrick's ability to read a putt while doing a plank and could gary give his opinion on what could happen if kiradek adds this to his repertoire heading into augusta uh, first of all i'm very impressed that Matthew Fitzpatrick was able to fit in his uh, putting routine in the midst of preparatory school, because it's clearly, his, I think I peg him as being about a sixth year at Hogwarts this year, and he's, he's a fabulous young man, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure he shaves more than twice a week. <laughs> well, <laughs> what would happen if Kierdek tried this at Augusta? Oh, dear God. I mean, <laughs> first of all, there's, there's a reason that they have a... The, the, the heating system underneath the grounds, so it says if his Kyridex belly sweat gets on the greens, they can dry it out right quickly. <laughs> Kyridex belly sweat. <laughs> oh, oh man, I was I wasn't expecting you to pull to pull that one out. Um, I don't know where that came from either. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, speaking of the Masters, Mister Player, do you have any comments about? We heard a story recently about uh, your son allegedly selling fake tickets to the Masters last year. What uh, do you have anything to say about that? Oh, Sully, I'm so glad you asked. I'm, I'm just happy to clear this up. People should read the fine print. <laughs> the contract stated there was clearly a certain level of physical fitness required. How can you complain you didn't get your master's experience when you were too fat to fit in the false bottom of a large laundry bin we planned to drive through the service entrance? <laughs> Listen, when I first played the British Open at St. Andrews, I slept on the beach the night before. I had the heart of a champion. How can you say you want to go to the master's 
and then say you won't help dig a tunnel from the basement of the Publix across the street that goes under Berkman's Road and leads to a trapdoor in Clifford Roberts's cottage. It's a disgrace. My young man provided all the ways to get in, and people just complained. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell just happened. <laughs> what is this story about the alleged fake tickets? I guess his son, like, sold a bunch of, like, passes to the Masters. I was like, oh, I'm running this sort of, like, uh, essentially, like, <laughs> fire Festival, uh, whatever that fire Festival guy's name is. He was selling tickets to, like, Knicks games. Or so this is, like, a similar kind of deal. It was, like, Gary Player's son did, like, this, uh, like, hey, you get a, a weekend with, uh, you know, at the Masters, and you get to meet Gary Player and all this stuff. And then these people, like, showed up in Augusta and, like, Gary Player's son was nowhere to be found, and like he, he basically just kept their money. Oh this is God. what's being alleged in, in the lawsuit against him, and he got charged with like a felony for the the thing. And I I didn't see anywhere where Gary commented on it, so I just took the liberty of making up a well, story. You, you heard it here, breaking must credit NLU podcast for the uh, the first official quote. Um, I actually don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you will either, but Kyle Jensen asked, why the broadcast doesn't ever touch on equipment? It was a huge win for Molinari with new equipment in the bag, and he wished the broadcast would touch on it if it's compelling to the tournament, which it was yeah. this week. Yeah, I assume it's like you just you can't – it would just really – muddy the waters if you know as far as equipment companies getting their names mentioned on the air yeah. if you could like pay announcers to mention on the air and stuff I, I is that a safe assumption i actually don't know the technical rule or if they yeah. all have an agreement with each other not to do it do you do you have any insight on that i would bet that essentially like that the like say nbc is um wants to say like look if you want your name mentioned on the broadcast you're gonna pay for that you're gonna buy commercial money because we're not just gonna right. like get around like we have because so let's say that you know they were really like crowing about callaway stuff you know which uh molinari you know is using and like this um this new stroke lab putter that he's got that's a two-on whatever stroke lab putter and he made like 150 foot of putts whatever we'll say that they were just talking about that like crazy and titleist is like wait a minute why are we paying like millions of dollars to have scotty cameron ads on this if you're just talking about Callaway putters, whatever. We're just going to basically like pay Francisco Molinari that money, and we're not giving any of that money to NBC uh, because that's you know that can be like Viagra ads or retirement commercials or like fucking workday software or whatever. So, <laughs> but I think it, that's probably. But if you're Jim Nance and you would, hey, if you would like me to voice over your Titleist commercials, <laughs> I could do that as well. Though that <laughs> that's yeah. clearly where I mean, the line gets drawn. That makes it's probably sense. an informal thing, but like I, you know, obviously it's like a guy. It seems like there was some when a guy doesn't doesn't play well with new equipment, they certainly talk about it, right? Like you know when the guy makes a switch and it's like a huge deal that they were like, oh, he's really having trouble adjusting in these new Titleist irons or these new Nike driver. And but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's not like a marquee sort of player, just being a foreigner and stuff that they're kind of uh, weren't kind of really going to harp on it as much. But it does seem like it's a deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> I did forget to ask you, had you uh did you listen to the new Rory McElroy podcast? <laughs> I did not. Okay. I I was unclear at first if it was behind a paywall and uh I there's only so many things I will pay paywall. I guess it's free, but uh I I I used to watch uh a TRL a lot in um like high school and I feel like Carson Daly seems like a good guy, but I've kind of grown out of that. I'm not really sure what he offers to the golfing world in terms of expertise for interviewing Rory, but so so riddle me this. <clears throat> yeah, if you are uh, creating something called Golf Pass and you are the yes. Golf Channel, mm -hmm. is your strategy to bring a bunch of Carson Daly fans into the game? Like, is 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 are people craving? Are the Carson Daly fans craving so much more Carson that they're going to pick up a new sport and tune into and pay for the content? I, I don't. I, I'm absolutely befuddled. This is golf getting in its way again. I listen to it, and I think Rory is as brilliant as ever. And I just want to hear him talk. And I could do it every week or every month or wherever they're going to do it. And honestly, I, I, I Carson Daly might be getting paid per interruption because it was just like. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it, people love to make the joke of people getting paid by the word, uh, and it, it was by interruption. And as <laughs> as a podcast host, I, I, it drives me absolutely nuts. And it, it's first episode, and people, you know, that is, I wouldn't want to be judged on our first episode. And you know, there's a lot of chance for evolving, but I'm just like, man. This is about. Chris Daly's been doing this for twenty years, though. Like he's been interviewing people for twenty years. This is not like it's, this is his first tango in the game. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it, no, it was it was quite frustrating to me. And if that's kind of you know, Rory talked about that being like his use of his way he's going to do media now. And I'm like, man, I hope that's it's just disappointing. You know, it's it's yeah. it's especially if a lot of that stuff is going to be behind a paywall. I don't really still quite understand how the podcast is going to work, but uh, the people. I mean, I, what what makes me mad is like Rory's got more money than he could ever spend in a lifetime mm-hmm. ever. So someone has convinced him in this sense, like, Hey, you should do this podcast with Carson daily. Cause we could sell it and we could get a, you know, you can make 10 more million dollars with golf channels, part of this, whatever. And Rory's probably like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, I guess, I mean, I don't know. What does another $10 million mean to me? You know? And maybe, maybe it's the sense of like, he would rather just control the content in the sense of like, well, I don't want to be asked any question that I'm uncomfortable with. And so we're going to have these kind of things where it's essentially like sponsored content and, yeah. you know, go forward. Great. And that's fine, I guess. But it just, it's, it's, it's a bummer to me because it sort of robs the game of it's, you know, one of its most authentic voices. And I'm sure someone out there is going to say, Oh, you're just mad. Cause you're not going to do the, the NLU podcast anymore. Like, well, I don't, I don't know that that's true. He might, but I'm still, a little butthurt like, about that, but <laughs> and you're the one that told him not to t- talk to the media ahead of Augusta. So I don't know what you're getting out of, out of there, but he did, he did touch on it. How, um, the appeal of doing things on a podcast, which I think is why he's done this podcast in the past and done others. And why a lot of players continue to do it. It's like people hear the conversation, they hear the context and it's not like headlines being made about what happened and things kind of taken out of context and made, you know, people choosing 20% of what he said to make it sound more appealing. I totally subscribe to that. And like if he had, honestly, if he had his own podcast and there was somebody there that just like facilitated the conversation, I would listen to it. That'd be the first thing I would download. So, um, it's just a little bit kind of, it, it, again, it, it harps back to just what is, what is representative of golf problems in general of like trying to be something it's not. I mean, we, we're, I just can't imagine like the, this is going to draw more people into it because Carson Daly's co-hosting it, but that's just such, it's such a marketing scam. It's someone who's saying this will bring younger listeners in to whatever. And it's like, no, like even like if Niall Horan was posting the podcast, that would make more sense. If from a perspective of like we're trying to bring new listeners in or whatever because all the new direction people would like and England might download it for like just to juice the views is it old like, direction wait did i say old direction no i said oh it is new direction sorry i thought it was old direction you said new sorry I'm, i don't know that's all i get with it yeah see right? maybe this would make me a new direction fan <laughs> I, I shock. I actually do agree with you. Like they're they're buddies, and like that would be kind of more interesting than I don't know. And like I don't know if they had a previous relationship. But again, it it might improve, but I I don't know if it goes behind a paywall at some point or whatnot. But um, kind of a tough spot. It's hard to critique other podcasts. It's kind of a kind of you can you, no matter what you're going to come off a little bit butthurt. But uh, I just think that he's a brilliant guy to listen to, and I really enjoyed listening to him on that episode. And I was getting very very frustrated by it. So. Um, Couple last, a couple shout-out tweets that we saw. Brian Evanson, how can NBC Golf Channel give Fitzpatrick credit for being a Northwestern guy on their college leaderboard? He was there for a fall semester. <laughs> that, was, that just made me laugh. And then, I made a joke today on Twitter. It was like, is it possible that Bryson played rounds longer than Fitzgerald was at Northwestern? <laughs> like, this, this connection that he has to Northwestern, I, hey, I admire it. Like, you, maybe that was what you felt was really like great for you in your time in your life. But like, that I always tease my one of my friends who's a golf writer for the Chicago Tribune about how he like covers Matthew Fitzpatrick like a local. Like what? Like who in Chicago was like, oh, I feel really connected to Matthew Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and then Tom Hobbs said, Do you this is the I actually bookmarked this one. Do you still think the US will dominate the Ryder Cup in the coming years? So warm, that was just warm. picking they'll, that was picking one of the, the many buttes we got. So they'll dominate it in America. They're gonna dominate in Whistling Straits when there's you know they're able to I don't know, 
the have the rough all the way out in the ocean. I think it might be time to pump the brakes a bit on the camp champ for for Ryder Cup captaincy. Uh, yeah, That's it. that was that was ugly. So he flew a little bit close to the sun. Yep. Uh, um, all right, KBV. Thanks for joining on a Sunday night, and uh, we pre- always appreciate your insights. And thanks to uh, thanks for making me laugh so hard. I sweat sweated a little bit me. earlier. <laughs> well, if there's the sub air that's really going to <laughs> clean up your your sweat, your belly sweat. <laughs> Ending it on that, KBV. Thanks as always, man. Cheers. Cheers, bud. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.